Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. On Friday, the Federal Treasurer Jim Chalmers announced that the new RBA boss would be an Australian first. This is a history-making appointment. Michelle Bullock will become the first woman to ever lead the Reserve Bank in this country. Michelle Bullock, an RBA employee for nearly 40 years, will be taking over from outgoing Governor Philip Lowe, whose reputation has taken a blow over promises on interest rate rises that left many scrambling when they occurred earlier than expected. Will her appointment be a success story for women breaking through the glass ceiling? Or is the timing of this promotion amid a cost-of-living crisis and the bank having to consistently increase the cash rate, setting her up for failure? But first, your news headlines for Monday, July 17. South Australia is moving to end no-fault evictions as Australians struggle during the current housing crisis. The South Australian government announced over the weekend they'll be moving to stipulate that tenancies can only be ended for a prescribed reason, including any breaches by the tenant or the landlord wanting to sell, renovate or occupy the property. Joining Queensland and the ACT, who recently also banned no-fault evictions. When SA finalises the legislation, WA will be the only remaining state territory to not do the same. The WA Premier saying his government wasn't looking to follow suit, introducing its own protection package for renters. Ten months after the death of Masa Amini at the hands of Iran's morality police for wearing her hijab incorrectly and sparking mass protests across the country, those police have now returned to the streets to again force women to cover their hair. They'd largely pulled back from enforcing the rule as women ripped off their headscarves, some burning them in protest and calling for the end of the government in power. The protests fading earlier this year following a heavy crackdown in which more than 500 protesters were killed and nearly 20 20,000 detained, but women had been continuing to flaunt the strict dress code policy, especially in the country's capital, Tehran. Iran's clerical rulers view the hijab as a key pillar of the Islamic revolution that brought them to power and consider a more casual dress a sign of Western decadence. A spokesperson saying the morality police would resume their duties and detain any woman not wearing a hijab in public. The woman who inspired one of the most sought-after handbags in the world has died aged 76. British-born Jane Birkin, a 1960s wild child who became a much-loved figure in France, was a singer and actress whose single with her troubled lover, Je t'aime mon plie, which means I love you, me neither, was banned by the BBC and condemned by the Vatican for Birkin's breathy moans and the explicit lyrics. In 
In the 1980s, Birkin would become the inspiration for the Hermes Fashion House's Birkin bag, which was designed for her after the company's CEO saw her struggling with her straw bag on a flight to London where she spilled the contents all over the floor. Spaniard Carlos Alcaraz has denied Novak Djokovic a record-equalling win at Wimbledon, downing the Serb in a five-set epic final. Had Djokovic won, he would have equaled Margaret Court's 24 Grand Slam wins and Roger Federer's eight Wimbledon titles. But it wasn't to be his 20-year-old opponent recovering from losing the opening five games to inflict the champion's first defeat on centre court in a decade. Alcaraz told the crowd it was a dream come true, turning to Djokovic saying he started playing tennis watching him and that since he was born, Djokovic had been winning tournaments. The Aussie women's cricket team has managed to hang on to the Ashes, claiming a three-run win over England in the second one-day international. The result means the Aussies will retain the Ashes trophy, even if they lose the next ODI on Tuesday, giving them a fifth straight victory. It wasn't as easy a win this time around, with England claiming victory in three straight matches, heading into the Southampton clash with a scoreline at 6-all. That's your latest news headlines in a moment. Today's Deep Dive. Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. Up until very recently, many Aussies probably wouldn't have been able to name the Reserve Bank of Australia's governor. But when interest rates started to rise from May last year, more of us got to know the name Philip Lowe. He'd told us that rates weren't going to start rising until 2024, so many who could have locked in a lower fixed rate back then didn't think to do so. Now, 12 rate rises later, many are upset they didn't get the advice they needed at the time. An independent review of the central bank commissioned by the Treasurer Jim Chalmers in the wake of multiple rate rises made 51 recommendations for changes which will now be implemented under a new leader. Michelle Bullock is the person best placed to take the Reserve Bank into the future. Uh, Michelle is an outstanding economist but also an accomplished and respected leader. Uh, Her appointment best combines experience and expertise with a fresh leadership perspective at the Reserve Bank as well. That's Federal Treasurer Jim Chalmers announcing that the new Reserve Bank of Australia Governor taking over from Philip Lowe is Michelle Bullock. I think Michelle Bullock is the best person to take the bank into the future and Michelle represents the best combination of that experience and expertise, but also a fresh leadership perspective. One of the things that I have really admired about Michelle Bullock as I've come to know her, and especially to understand her role uh, and her contribution to the Reserve Bank Review, is that Michelle has thought deeply about how we take the bank forward into the future. She does have a lot of experience at the bank. She does have a lot of expertise as an economist. But one of the things I really value in this appointment is the style and nature of her leadership. 
She's an accomplished leader, a highly respected leader, and that's what we need at the bank to take it forward. So who is she? Michelle Bullock was born in Melbourne but moved to New South Wales when she was young, growing up in Armidale, which is about halfway between Sydney and Brisbane. She went to Armidale High before going on to finish her Bachelor of Economics with honours at the University of New England. She then moved overseas to study in the UK, finishing her master's degree at the London School of Economics five years later. She joined the RBA in 1985 and has held a number of positions in the business since then, rising to the head of the Payments Policy Department in 2007 to assistant governor positions in currency, business services and financial systems before being appointed deputy governor last year. On being appointed to the head of the RBA, she released this statement. I am deeply honoured to have been appointed to this important position. It is a challenging time to be coming into this role, but I will be supported by a strong executive team and boards. I'm committed to ensuring that the Reserve Bank delivers on its policy and operational objectives for the benefit of the Australian people. So will Michelle Bullock taking over from Philip Lowe make any difference to the average Aussie? Will she change anything about how the decisions are made? And will she be able to recover from Philip Lowe's bad reputation? Mark Kenny is a Professor of Australian Studies at the Australian National University's College of Arts and Social Sciences, He's also the host of the weekly politics and public affairs podcast, Democracy Sausage, with Mark Kenny. Mark, what do we know about Michelle Bullock's lengthy career with the RBA? Well, she's a very highly regarded economist in the field, from what I can tell from other economists, public economists, uh, very sort of praising of her abilities. She's been described as a lifer in terms of the Reserve Bank. So she's sort of quintessentially not the outsider, the reforming outsider who sometimes is brought in for these kinds of things because the Reserve Bank is very much an institution undergoing a reform process. We know there's been that review that's been done of the Reserve Bank and there are changes that now need to be sort of dialed in and some of that will involve legislation and it will involve a lot of other things. And she's highly regarded for her managerial capabilities as well. So she's seen as a very good economist, a long-term member of the Reserve Bank since the mid-80s and has risen, of course, to be Deputy Governor before now. So she's got a great familiarity with the institution a lot of respect from outside, and I think the government has high hopes for her uh, driving the sort of cultural and behavioural change that it wants to see out of the Reserve Bank. I guess the concern for women looking at this from the outside is that a lot is going to be made of the fact that she is the first woman to ever hold the role as the RBA governor. But what is she inheriting? Because we've seen this in instances in the past. Now, she wasn't the first, but for example, Theresa May inheriting Brexit and then that becoming a you know, massive failure for her. We're worried that this first is going to actually set her up for failure from the outset. What do you think about that? Well, you're absolutely right. There's no doubt that women have often been brought in to run governments and even organisations that have been under a lot of pressure, faced with a crisis and suddenly, you know, sort of bring in a woman and she either succeeds or fails. But I mean, we've seen this in uh, state politics, federal politics. We've seen it in companies in crisis. Most recently, we saw a woman brought in to the top of PwC in the uh, middle of this debacle they're facing over, you know, corruption in relation to, you know, insider trading with the government and so forth. 
The Reserve Bank's not in that category, though. I think it's an institution around which there has been some criticism of late. So to that extent, a lot of it has been directed at Phil Lowe, the outgoing governor now. And it's been a very turbulent time economically. And of course, that's what defines the role and success of the Reserve Bank. So I think in this case, you'd say, well, some of the hard work's been done on deciding a way forward for the Reserve Bank. There is you know, internal work to do. And the economic conditions have probably been through the worst of it. That doesn't mean we're not headed for a recession. Some economists think that's possible. And the Reserve Bank will have a key role, if that's the case, probably in doing the exact opposite in what it's doing up until now. And that would be to switch from trying to cool down the economy to trying to warm it up, you know, through perhaps cutting interest rates, which is never unpopular anyway. But I think she's got all of the credentials and has great confidence coming from the government and from the organisation itself. Can we expect to see any sort of marked difference for the average Australian in this change in leadership? I mean, Phil Lowe's leaving behind a bit of a chequered legacy now with all the interest rate rises that he's been responsible for in the last 18 months. But will we notice any real difference as just sort of your average Aussie battling to pay your mortgage? Not necessarily. The average Aussie doesn't take a huge sort of applied interest in the Reserve Bank itself as an institution. But those who take a little bit more interest will notice that the Reserve Bank is going to take a more public role. It's going to be more on the front foot in terms of communicating its decisions. There are going to be fewer decisions coming out of the Reserve Bank because that review has recommended and has been adopted that instead of having 11 meetings, so effectively monthly meetings through the year, save for January, there is going to be just eight. That means that the Reserve Bank could become, in a sense, a bit more prominent, strangely enough, because with fewer meetings and therefore fewer moments at which monetary policy might change, we might be inclined to see more significant increases rather than 25 basis points, which is quarter of a percentage point. We might see movements one way or the other that is up or down of 50 basis points, which is half a percentage point. If it's a move upwards in interest rates of half a percentage point, that's going to hurt even more. So in a sense, there'll be probably a bit more attention. That is fewer decisions, but potentially larger ones. But there's also going to be a more public-facing role for the Reserve Bank itself. That is more press conferences, a press conference after each Reserve Bank board meeting and other public appearances as well. And I think just going back to your question, there is a lot of opprobrium around the interest rate rises that we've had, but I don't think there are any economists who are saying we haven't needed those interest rate rises. I think the main criticism of Phil Lowe is that he gave an indication, pretty much with his direct words, that interest rates would not go up from their record lows until sometime in 2024. We're not in 2024 yet. and We've been feeling a lot of pain after 12 interest rate hikes and possibly another to come. So that's a criticism of the sort of expectations that Phil Lowe created. And it's also probably true to say that before this interest rate hike period, the governor and the board could have been more activist in sort of stimulating the economy even prior to the war in Ukraine, the COVID pandemic and all of those things that have made this such a turbulent time. So the board's going to you know, have new personnel in it, new person running it, and I think we're going to see more of it. That's the long and the short of it. Just finally, what happens to Phil Lowe now? Where does he go? What does he do after running the RBA for so long? 
It's a good question. It will be something of a culture shock for him. He won't be short of a coin. He's been on a fairly good wicket, if I can put it like that. It's a well-paid position. He was hoping, obviously, for an extension. There have been eight Reserve Bank governors and five of them have not been extended and three of them have. I mean, he'd be very, very sought after in a range of places. He is a highly respected economist and I think a person of personal integrity and professionalism. I think he'll probably feel a bit wounded by the public debate surrounding his non-extension, therefore his departure. But I think in economic circles, he'll still be highly regarded and highly sought after. And I imagine either other central banks or other commercial banks, financial institutions and academia would all be looking for access to his expertise. Michelle Bullock's stint as the RBA's ninth governor will commence on September 18. Where rate rises go from there, we'll just have to wait and see. The Quickie is produced by myself, Claire Murphy, and our executive producer, Callie Borg, with audio production by Tom Lyon. 